Disclaimer. The material in this podcast is not to be taken as a replacement for therapeutic services. This is for entertainment purposes and represents the sole perspectives of the individuals involved. If you are experiencing an emergency, please contact the appropriate authorities or professionals. Hello and welcome back to episode three of season two of the TikToks. I am one of your hosts, Dr. Caitlin Baker, aka That Fat Doctor. And I am your other host, Dr. Terrell DeGand, aka That Black Doctor. T, um, what are we talking about today? Everyone's favorite people, theoretically, right? Let's talk about parents. <laughs> theoretically, have, keyword. Theoretically, yeah, right? <laughs> I have recently just come out of a session talking um, about parenting and kind of how a severe lack of parenting and poor parenting decisions has really affected someone. And this is something that comes up a lot. So I think it's something that's really important for therapists to hear, for parents to hear, potential parents, really everyone. So I think it's a great topic for us. Yeah. I think it's it's a very like confusing and it changes through different stages of life. Um, and it's one of those things that, I mean, look at all the thousands and thousands of books that are sold and are created and then sold about how to be the best parent or this method or this method. And what we do as, as therapists is we get to see the effects of all of these things that have been tried and failed or mostly just failed. Yeah. Um, which, which stem do you believe? Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. So I think it's a great, uh, it's a great topic. It's, it's a tough topic and um, a personal topic. So, you know, take breaks if anything is triggering to you or, um, you know, push through if you want to do that too. I don't, I don't care what you do. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll find out. Um, so I will give this context as well, for just for our listeners and obviously for you, so you can join in. Um, so within the past hour or so, my father, who I rarely speak about for good reason, um, has reached out not to me or to my mother, who he has contact to as well, but he's reached out to my professional place of work. Mm. Yeah, and I don't know why, and I will find out why. Um, but he had the gall and the audacity to kind of just say, this is my name, this is my number, he knows who I am, have him call me. I don't know who you are actually, sir, but thank you mm. for trying. And I, I want to start with that, with this idea kind of that's really prevalent in a lot of my clients' situations and prevalent in my personal case right now. And I think what happens a lot in a lot of people of color where you don't have a father figure yeah. is this idea of entitlement, right? There are great parents in the world. I've seen them. I hope to become one. I've always been seen as the dad of the group a lot of the times. I called you dad in a text yesterday. <laughs> 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 I'm very much of the dad role and I, I never take that as an insult, but that's because I really value being there for people and I know how to do that. You are not entitled as a person to the love of your children mm-hmm. and people tend to forget that. They Wait, I think this. we need to like let that sink in for a sec. Say that again. People are not entitled to the love of their children. Bringing people into this world does not mean you are automatically going to get the love because you did that. Mm -hmm. It's a great contribution. Thank you somewhat. (laughs) But 
honestly, it's earned. Like any other relationship, you have to earn it. Mm-hmm. And if you're not, what then why do you think you deserve it? I think that a lot of parents go into like having kids with the idea of this little tiny human is going to love me for exactly who I am unconditionally. Mm-hmm. So they're setting themselves up with that mindset and that's not how it works. Like it it isn't. It should be the parents loving the child unconditionally. No, it doesn't work the other way around. You you made a decision or several decisions that led to you bringing another life into this world. This is your making, very literally. Mm-hmm. That child deserves someone or some combination of people, really, to be there for them. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't work both ways. And I get it, right? People have different versions of love, and that's not always reciprocated. Um, this gets into that love languages conversation, which I, I tend to think there's a expressive version and a receptive version. And sometimes you're not expressing it in the way that other people receive it. So I can understand if you're trying to express your love in services, right? But that person really wants affirmations. They want to just have quality time and, and you don't necessarily align with that. That's a different situation than what I'm saying. If you're not there at all, if you're doing the bare minimum, if you're not listening to what your child is saying, or you're not trying to connect on any level that's not just what you think is correct, you aren't entitled to their love. But it doesn't mean you can't get better, you can't learn from it. You have to acknowledge that and then try to do better. And you're not too old to learn from it. You're not too young to have new experiences. You're not too inexperienced. You just have to sit there and listen. But without my little soapbox, let me think about (laughs) all the other experiences that I've had working with clients with parents. And I'll say this, just from a personal perspective as a therapist, when you bring your child to therapy, one, they should want to be in therapy. Otherwise you are wasting time and money from multiple people. And two, understand that, in my opinion, the worst part of working with children is the parents of those children. Amen to that. Amen. I, I at one point worked with a lot of kids and I stopped working with kids, not because I didn't enjoy working with the kids or being in session with them. It's because of the parents. Because every single time, like I have like five cases in mind right now where I'm like, yep, that one I had to terminate because I couldn't deal. Like parents aren't responsive. They weren't following treatment, like protocols outside of session. So nothing was being done. Or how many times, you know, the question of calling CPS has, has come into play. Like it's just working with children um, is hard and it is almost never the child's problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we're going to get a little bit into some uh, old school <laughs> considerations and, and terminology, but triangulation happens all the time. And that's when you're, as usually the parents looking towards the child, but it's not always that combination, but a lot of the times you see them as the problem. You're triangulating them as the problem. You're, you're having a unified front as the kid is the reason that we're having difficulties. Mm-hmm. But that only adds pressure to someone who has no control over the situation. 
and then you try to present that to a therapist and you project the responsibility onto them as well. And now they're trying to solve something at the symptom level versus the core causal level. Mm -hmm. No one gets anything out of that. And when the problems persist at the core, then it just comes out in different ways when you shut off that symptom. Mm -hmm. So when you do, and I hope you all do have some level of respect for therapy if you listen to this podcast, when you do engage in therapy and you bring your children to therapy, it's for everyone. Everyone should be benefiting from it and everyone should be contributing to the progress. Yes. Um, here's the example that comes up a lot, <clears throat> which probably bothered me the most. When I worked in an overnight camp, lovely place, I don't want to advertise it, but when I worked there the first year, we had a group of children to look over and one set of parents to this one child that I had in particular said they were really worried about his eating habits, right? Which, you know, I, I can get. And they, they felt like he was just eating too much and he, was, he wasn't really getting active and he's got a camp, he's gonna be active, right? That's gonna help a lot. But I can see what they were saying. He was eating four or five times what his peers were eating and he just kept going. So we worked out a plan like this is here. You can have all these delicious things. You like these as well. This is an easier, healthier thing for you to do and you like it, right? So let's do that. And you can have what you want, but we're gonna have less of it. We did moderation. Within two days, he loved it. He was way more active. He was happy. And what happened the second the parents came to pick him up? Oh, we're so glad to see you. Let's go get McDonald's. Why? Oh, okay. Okay. Why did I do a week's worth of work so that you can be like, never mind? I mean, I speak. I think that speaks to the child system, and I mean, my whole like you're speaking right to like my my spiel here. Um, <laughs> but just um, again, that like food is a reward, and and things like that, and then try to take that away from the child. The child thinks they're being punished. Mm -hmm. um, it's a, it's a whole thing, which is not the topic that we're on right now, but I had to get my little spiel in. Um, yes. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of, um, I think parents send conflicting messages, whether they mean to or not. A lot of the times, like, I know it, it feels like we're dogging on parents and we are, but <laughs> there, there will be another side to this, right? This it's not just everything you've done wrong was pointed out. There, there will be a positive, but we're not there yet. So just right. hold on. Right. Uh, <laughs> I I think that parents are figuring it out themselves, right? Like everyone says, there's no manual. There's no, and there are there are hundreds and thousands of manuals, yeah. but that's kind of the problem, right? Like no one really knows what they're doing what they're supposed to be doing, how to be supportive, what a good parent looks like, what a bad parent looks like, because these definitions are um, contextual, they are cultural, they are, there's just a lot of different ways to, to interpret like what a good parent versus a bad parent is. Mm -hmm. But in my experience, I think that that line is a lot more clear than what other people make it out to be. I don't know mm -hmm. if you would agree with that. Just maybe that's because I've seen some of the worst of the worst. Um, like while I was working in homeless shelters and um, community mental health centers and, and things like that, I've seen a, just absolutely heartbreaking stories. 
Um, but I've even had parents in like private practice who are more affluent and um, even those kind of parents make mistakes. So mm-hmm. I don't know where I'm going with this. I just know that nobody knows what they're doing and that's okay because our instincts only take us so far with most majority of, of it. Um, and I would love to write that and not that I'm a parent expert, not that I'm a parent myself. I know some of you might be thinking like, how can you two speak on this? Um, neither of you are, are parents. Um, we have parents. <laughs> so. My parents would also, we're human experts yeah. by definition. Like we know the human mind the human interactions we understand humans at a much greater level than the average person just kind of going through life and that's what makes us experts on those things i don't need to have that experience to understand it the same way you don't hope your doctor has a stroke to really understand strokes you you learn it yeah i like that um little analogy because that happens all the time to us and the way that we're treated differently than medical providers is a whole other topic but um i digress because yes exactly we don't need to have kids to know how they should be treated and yes while it would definitely help and reinforce those ideals that we already have to experience it ourselves we don't need that to speak on this so not to like flaunt like our degrees and be like we know what we're talking about but i just i get this a lot from people right? Like you don't have kids. How would you know? You can't give me advice. You don't, you've never had a clean out a blowout from like, you're like, it doesn't make me less qualified. This is all over the place. I started out today by texting T or I think I emailed and I was like, I am not in a good mood. So y'all are getting this version. Sorry, not sorry. Anyway, parenting. <laughs> yeah, we've, we've seen worse. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> but to to an earlier point that you were making, it's not about making mistakes. You're going to make mistakes as parents. You're going to make mistakes as people. That's part of the process. It's completely okay to make mistakes. It's not okay to keep making the same mistake with no intention of changing. Yes. You're going to lose your cool, right? I, I've worked in school settings. I've worked a lot of places from places where I worked with kids, and I get it. You want to yell. You want to put your hands on them sometimes. You want to disregard all parenting rights in very brief moments. Sometimes you're depressed because they're there. Sometimes you're really excited and you just say too much at the wrong time. Like so many things can happen. Are you learning from those experiences though? Are you saying, wow, I saw the way I affected him or her or they or or whatever your your child identifies as, or maybe they don't identify as anything at any point, right? But I saw how that affected my kid or kids, and I don't want to do that again. Mm-hmm. Or say, wow, I saw how it affected my kids. Well, they have to get used to it. Like, sorry. Like, what are you doing with that information? Yeah. Apologizing while nice and, um, you know, retrospect, it, it doesn't mean that there's going to be changes. And I know that, like, a lot of parents, when they do make those mistakes and have blowups, will go and, like, talk to their child and apologize for those things. And that's that's great. But the, the next step that T is referring to is like, what changes are you gonna make to ensure that that doesn't happen again? Or that your um, temper is more in check? What work are you gonna do on yourself 
to ensure that that's not going to happen again. So it's not just an empty apology and then the same cycle repeating over and over, maybe different instances, but it's still that same general cycle. Mm -hmm. And for anyone that's kind of doubting this piece, I'll say something I tell parents a lot is you want to teach your kids how and when to be the best versions of themselves, but they don't really learn by listening to what you're saying. They learn by watching what you do. Mm -hmm. So if you actually want to teach your child or children to not lie to you, to be honest with their emotions, to open up about things, to do anything that you would want a really good person to do, it starts by you doing it. When they see you doing that, that's when they actually start to learn, this is a great way to deal with my emotions. And consequently, if you have a terrible way of dealing with that, maybe it's through drinking or smoking or whatever, right? Whatever your vice would be, then that's what they learn. I don't really want to do this, but I know for a fact I've seen people do this to feel better. And that's what you, they gravitate to. If you show the respect for the mental health and the addressing of that mental health concern, then that's what they're going to learn. And that's what they're going to emulate because they see it in you. And I know it's not new information that kids are like sponges, right? Like that's a very common phrase because they're like sponges they are taking in everything that you do. But I think that some people don't quite realize the extent of that. So imagine if you will, you're taking this little person who has no idea about the world, has not formed any of their own relationships, connections. They just have their family and the environment around them in which to learn literally nothing else. What you do is being watched. What you say is being watched. And I also wanted to get into a little bit about generational trauma and how generational parenting is a big effect. And like kind of even in the U.S., you know, there's always going to be debates on corporal punishment versus what the new positive parenting looks like. And a lot of that and a lot of that debate in general over parenting goes back to how you were parented yourself mm -hmm. and then how you kind of one thing i hear constantly is i'm going to be nothing like my parents mm -hmm. and then overcorrecting that and going the opposite way or doing the, the other thing of following similar patterns despite your best efforts not to and mm -hmm. that's because it it is generational these things do get passed on from you know grandparents to parents to kids to their kid like on and on and on it goes um how do you how do you stop this pattern how do you choose to not only look at your mistakes that you've made and and write them but generationally those mistakes and how to not do them how to stop doing them or how to heal from those things happening to yourself. One of those things that I hate, 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 I see it on Facebook posts all the time, mm -hmm. is like, I got hit with a bell and I turned out just fine. Like, so just because you survived it, you wanna perpetuate that onto your child and make them also survive that terrible thing that happened to you? What purpose does that serve? I don't get it. I also find it interesting that the people that need to post all of their thoughts for others to validate turned out fine. 
maybe you didn't but um <laughs> without extra judgment in there you have to recognize what you would have wanted in that moment right what helped you to learn from that is it the fear of being chastised the fear of being hurt or did you just have that anger towards them because you probably just held anger inside and then couldn't do anything about it because you didn't have any power so maybe you wanted to be heard maybe you wanted more time with them so you can address whatever the concern was that you got beaten for what you wanted at that time is the same thing that they're going to want or want now and I'll also kind of tweak something you said earlier. I don't think it's just as little humans, right? Mm -hmm. These are your teenagers as well. These yeah. are your these are pre-adolescents. These are your early 20s kids. These people are still growing. Your mind still develops until you're 25. Mm -hmm. You're still taking in information. It's not too late for you to show your child or children that you can be better and they can be better also. Yeah. Um, show that there's the possibility for change. Always. There's always a possibility for change but especially in your developmental years. Mm -hmm. Zero to, like you said, I think it's 26 and a half is the technical, legal, mumbo, neurochemistry, jumbo. Um, kind of round and nice, so let's just- <laughs> <laughs> I know, 25 sounds so much better. I remember like on my, this is a side story. On my like 26 and a half birthday, I was like, my brain's fully developed as of today. Like I thought, I like celebrated my brain being fully developed because that's the person that I am. Um, Nerd! <laughs> not wrong. But um, I think parents most of the time are well-meaning. I think that that's a common misconception when people are evaluating themselves and thinking, am I a good parent or a bad parent? I think intent is often overshadowed by actual actions mm -hmm. so thinking like i'm doing what's best for my child this is what i deem is what's best this is the way i was raised all these kind of statements um your intent might be good and you might be thinking that that's what they need but the impact is is not that mm -hmm. the impact can be completely it's detrimental yeah that's the word i was looking for so uh, I want to do the heavy, hard transition into let's applaud the parents that are doing the right things, right? And how many things we can think of. So if you're going to your children and you're asking them about their day and you're giving them the space to do it, even if they don't have an answer right away, you show that you're actually invested. You're not just going through the scripts. Oh, are you doing great? Great. Done. Mm -hmm. If you're really invested in it, you're doing a great job. If you are watching your own self-talk mm -hmm. and, and demonstrating how to love yourself, take care of yourself, um, you're doing a great job. If you're in a conflict and they see it or it's a conflict with them and you don't just sweep it under the rug, you actually address the core concerns. You try to talk through it. If you don't have an answer right away, you come back to it you make sure you find a solution, you're doing a great job. If you are feeding your children and <laughs> giving them uh, even the most basic of necessities, um, 
obviously more would be great, but if they have a place to, to be that they feel safe, if they have food, if they have water resources, our hygiene is taken care of, you're doing a great job. If you can acknowledge that you're human and you make mistakes, you get angry sometimes, you get sad sometimes, you're not in the same mood, you don't have the same responses and it's not their fault, you're doing a great job. I'm out of them. <laughs> but, <do> some- <laughs> so let's talk about like what, what doing a bad job looks like, right? So mm-hmm. I know that we've kind of touched on things just very generally, but if you are someone who is constantly belittling your child, Mm-hmm. expecting things out of them that are um, causing the child stress. A lot of what I see is is kids who are in school who strive for this perfectionism and if they don't get this grade, being scared of what the reprimands for that will be and the mm-hmm. stress that, that you know, adolescents and, and high school kids and even college kids go through to please their parents. If you're putting that kind of stress on your child to be successful because they're afraid of your reaction, not great, buddy. Not great. They don't, no, 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 no. They do much better when it's just supportive, when it's just, you know, you, you fail the test. Okay. I still love you. You'll get the next one. And if you don't, I'm dropping my microphone. We'll worry about that then. And, and what resources can we provide you? What help can we get you? Um, et cetera. Yeah. And, that, that's a great point because it reminds you of something I had said to um, a newer client that I recently acquired. This idea of perfection is completely, and, and I mean completely, it's completely ridiculous because there's no actual version of perfect. And people say, no, no, you can get hundreds on tests. No, that means you knew enough of that subject that the teacher wanted you to know, mm-hmm. but you're not perfect in that subject. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, knowledge is ever growing and not everyone's being tested for the right skills. This is kind of an old analogy, but you may be a fish and you're being tested on how to climb trees and pick bananas. The monkeys are gonna do great, but it doesn't mean that you don't have your own innate skills and value. If you don't do well on the test, okay, that sucks. I'm sorry, It, it hurts. And I know it's important for you to continue through school getting good grades. You are doing your best. Mm-hmm. You're tired, you're doing your best. You have too many things on your plate, you're doing your best. Mm-hmm. You're trying to get through, you studied, you didn't have enough time to study as much as you would like to, you're doing your best. That's what you should push your child to do, not being the best. Can we talk about parents who grow up with this idea of what their kid is going to be, right? Like, mm-hmm. in, in, including but not limited to gender mm-hmm. and sexual orientation and occupation, like what you think your kid should be doing. Mm-hmm. What the fuck is that? Excuse my language, but what the fuck? Okay, I'm not creating a life and then being like, okay, you're gonna do this and that. Like, what? Did you do all those things? Maybe you did, congratulations. But normally it's a projection of this is what I wish I had done or what my life had been like. So you're gonna do those things so I can feel better that I created this human that did all these great things. I went to a gender reveal this last weekend. (laughs) Not my favorite thing. 
context matters. It was supporting someone that I care about and it was very important to them mm -hmm. that I be there. So I said, I don't support this. I support you. But okay. But that in and of itself, putting that on them, oh my God, like so much pressure on, is it a boy or a girl? Determining how their life is going to be shaped from that point on because of their genitalia. Like, think about that for a second. <clears throat> I think the hardest thing for any parent is to find anything there's there's wrong and then there's with really heavy quotations wrong to find anything wrong because the first thing you lose are your expectations and you really have to think of what you actually want when you have a child are you trying to create a legacy are you trying to undo your faults are you just creating someone because that's the societal norm mm -hmm. like, why are you having children I think if you have a really good understanding of that, then you can see where there might be fault. Mm -hmm. And there are people that have really high expectations from something that doesn't understand words or sounds at mm -hmm. all. So as that person develops into an actual person, you start to see human limitations and then you get upset because your expectations are dashed. Mm -hmm that is 100% on you and being able to acknowledge and recognize that is super, super important. Yeah, absolutely. I, I know I wanted to be a father my entire life and I feel like I have the genetic makeup to be one, but I also know when I have children, I have my preferences, of course, but when I have children, <laughs> I'm waiting for the day where they have to like say this, this is something I didn't want to tell you. This is something like I was worried about. And I can just be like, why did you not bring me cake? Like, that's going to be my response. Mm -hmm. Like, if you're going to give me news, bring me food. <laughs> that, that, they're going to be more upset that I was concerned about the food than anything they had brought to me. Like, I don't care. Like, yeah. are you still breathing? I, that's what I care about. Right. Then why are you trying to upset me without bringing me food? <laughs> this that. is going to be my response. I'm so ready for that conversation. Yeah. But yeah. I, I understand that. Like, I don't want my child to feel like there's anything they can't bring to me. There are things I definitely don't want to hear about. <laughs> I know that that's point. That's part of the experience. Like you're a human, having human experiences, you should be able to share that. Yeah, absolutely. I think mean, that—that's the ticket, I think, and that's the the idea between like unconditional. I mean, to use a psychology, unconditional positive regard for your own child, mm -hmm. in that like, I. That's a tough one, though, because part of me is like, you still don't want to encourage, like, not problematic behaviors, because I don't, I think that terminology will get misconstrued, but behaviors that are, like, dangerous or um, reckless or, or things like that. But I still think that through those things, whatever your child has done or is doing, you can still be supportive and helpful and non-reactive i think that's a huge part of parenting is reactivity right mm -hmm. so like t's example like someone comes to you with some big thing be like okay what do you need from me like it's about this idea of just being there of of listening of even creating this supportive environment where a kid can come to you i know 
sorry, mom and dad, but like there, there were things and are things that you will never know because that's like the kind of dynamic that that's set up there. Like y'all don't want to know and I don't want you to know. So there we go. It, it's there. <laughs> Um, but I solidify <laughs> on both ends. Um, but I think like that's the difference, and I'm hoping that's the difference between new generations and and parenting. And that like we've realized that we're all humans. We realize that we grapple with our own sexuality. So, and you know all these other things, of course. But like, why wouldn't our children do those same things? Yeah. Why would we not have? the the space or the room for them to grow and figure themselves out like how we wish we had been granted that same space and just don't be an asshole <laughs> and i think that's a great note to end on <laughs> yeah a lot once again a lot of you parents are doing great jobs You're absolutely amazing at parenting and you've heard all this like yeah that's not me like great if you heard any part of it that is and you're like you know what? I'm not going to be an asshole about that anymore. I'm, I'm going to change because I want my kids to do better. And that's it. That's parenting 101. Yeah. You change, they change. The end. If there was like one piece of takeaway advice, I'll do mine and then you can do yours. Mine is let go of expectations for your children. Let your children be who they are. Whether that's, you know, gender, sexual identity, occupation, um, education, like let them be who they want to be. You're just there to guide and support. Let go of that shit that's telling you that, oh, my kid's going to be a genius. I fucking hate that. I'm very sweary today. But when like a parent is like, I think my kid's a genius. Like, bitch, no, your kid is too and put some blocks together. Stop putting that shit on them. Have you heard about all of these kids who are in like the gifted and talented programs? Me, that now have a shit ton of mental health problems because of these pressures, because of these expectations and they didn't meet them because they're unrealistic. Okay, Tico, I'm getting too Reel it in, reel it in, I got you. (laughs) (laughs) My takeaway for everyone, which I've clearly identified earlier is it starts with you. You don't want your kid to act out, you're probably acting out a lot. It starts with you. You don't want your kid to be hyper-focused on the wrong things, you're probably hyper-focused on the wrong problems. Take whatever you see in them, recognize what that is in you, emulate that to them, have these conversations, be the person you want them to be. Modeling. Yeah, modeling, and they will follow. Yeah. So, Alrighty, folks, that's our, me and Tia are both pissed off today, so this is what you get, what you got. (laughs) Welcome! uh, (laughs) Thanks for being here. Um, If you have any questions or concerns, please address them to Tia um, at the TikTok (laughs) at gmail.com and um, follow our socials. And um, as always, we really do love hearing from y'all or if there's a topic you want us to cover or a soapbox you need me to hop up on real quick. Um, let us know. We, we love hearing from you and uh, hope that you have a great rest of, of your week and we'll be back soon with another episode. Bye. Bye.